Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode... What if ancient sites such as Machu Picchu, Chichen Itza, the Acropolis, and the Temple Mount are not only thousands of years old, but much older? The belief is that you know modern man emerged in a migration out of Africa around 70,000 years ago. You know, it took some time, obviously, from that migration as primitive hunter-gatherers to develop the technology through the Stone Age to the Age of Metals and so forth and to modern age. So how is it they could have built these structures? Well, the answer is that, that they didn't. We're not talking about modern humans. We're talking about a previous race on the planet. This podcast is brought to you by Paranormal Contractors, a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. If you have a ghost or demon problem, this is no time to be dealing with amateurs. You need to call in the professionals. Paranormal Contractors utilize the latest and best technology to 
investigate, authenticate, and remediate your ghost or demon problem. Call them at 1-866-724-0800, 1-866-724-0800, or email them at paranormalcontractors at gmail.com. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Aerospace engineer Mark Carlotto is standing by for part one of a two-part series on pole shifts and ancient sites. In his book, Before Atlantis, new evidence suggesting the existence of a previous technological civilization on Earth, Carlotto was inspired by Charles Hapgood's hypothesis that the ice ages were the results of shifts in the geographic location of Earth's poles. And he's discovered that numerous sites throughout the world are aligned to what appear to have been four previous positions of the North Pole over the past 100,000 years. By virtue of their alignment to ancient poles, Carlotto proposes a new hypothesis that the original sites were first established by a previous advanced technological civilization that existed throughout the world tens of thousands of years ago and were later co-opted by our ancestors who rebuilt and expanded over and around the older structures while preserving the layout and orientation of the site to the original pole. Before Atlantis considers the possibility that this previous technological civilization could have developed from an earlier migration of modern humans out of Africa, which later might have coexisted with our primitive hunter-gatherer ancestors, and that past encounters with this older civilization were the source of ancient myths and legends of powerful gods, lost continents, and even Atlantis. Mark Carlotto is an aerospace engineer with over 30 years of experience in satellite imaging, remote sensing, signal and image processing, pattern recognition, and app development. Mark received a PhD in electrical engineering from Carnegie Mellon University in 1981 and has published over 100 technical articles and written six books. In Before Atlantis, Mark draws from his unique background and experience to propose new answers to basic questions concerning human origins, ancient technology, and archaeological enigmas. Mark Carlotto, how are you? I'm fine, Richard. How are you? Thanks very much for having me. My pleasure. These ancient sites, Machu Picchu, the Acropolis, which is very near and dear to me. I've been there several times. My wife is, is Greek. Uh, the Temple Mount. The, the traditional narrative is that uh, we're talking, what, on the order of 2,500 years old, maybe f for the pyramids, maybe 4,500 years old. That's the traditional timeline, correct? Right, right. And so... so yeah, yeah, so how do we how do we get from that timeline to something far more dramatic? Maybe, you know, on the outside it could be, you know, uh, ten times that old. 
how do you, how do we get from, from the traditional narrative timeline to your hypothesis, uh, which sort of gets us into the, the polar shift? Let's talk about that, the Hapgood, uh, polar shift hypothesis. Right. So that, that's the big question. And, and, and it's a big question that you have to break down. Um, so the po- the idea of, of pole shifts actually goes back to uh, the uh, time after the Spanish conquistadors um, and um, the Spaniards and others that were in, in France sort of chronicling, um, you know, uh, the oral histories, capturing the oral histories and, uh, you know, trying to gain an understanding of this of this of this civilization uh much of which you know we've lost uh knowledge at least of the certainly of the esoteric side of it um and um one of the things that was talked about or alluded to was uh these these ages um that were punctuated by catastrophes uh which is you know a theme that occurs worldwide in different traditions and uh, a part of that uh, that myth has to do with with cataclysmic changes caused by sh- uh, well the translation was uh, shifts in the axis of the earth um, so one can interpret that to mean changes in the direction the axis was pointing you know right now our you know the direction that the axis points it is is defined by the obliquity which is like twenty three point five degrees I think. Uh, and that changes very slowly over a period of about 41,000 years. Um, it's not clear whether they were referring to that or to actual changes in the geographic location of the pole. And this idea is a little harder to grasp. You know, we, we kind of visualize the Earth spinning like a top tilted on its axis. Uh, but the idea now that the skin of the Earth, which is where everything, we all live and the oceans and everything is, Located the idea that this can shift relative to the core is not something that's easy, easily visualized. But the possibility that this could occur began to be thought of in the um, uh, in, in the twentieth century, leading up to around ni- in the nineteen fifties when Hapgood uh, proposed a hypothesis that the Earth's poles have shifted periodically. Uh, he thought maybe around three times over the last hundred thousand years, and these shifts were brought uh, brought on by uh, an asymmetrical accumulation of ice that would build up in the polar regions and cause the the balance of the the spin axis to basically to become destabil- de- de- destabilized. So the crust would shift as a solid uh, shell; it would slip over the the um, the uh, the plastic uh, slip more slippery mantle underneath, and it would correct itself. And the process that this uh, you know this this process he believed took place rather quickly and had catastrophic consequences. And it resp- was responsible for mass extinction, a number of species, for uh, changes in patterns of glaciation and ice ages, and other things. And so this was an idea. That he proposed, um, not not for archaeological purposes, but to understand um, patterns of climate change on Earth. Now, like right now, the prevailing you know belief is that the climate is driven over 
cycles called uh, uh, Milankov- Milankovitch cycles. And these are driven by changes in obliquity and uh, the uh, eccentricity of Earth's orbit around the sun and, and various other factors. Cosmic but rays? None of them. Cosmic rays, yeah. There's a, num- there's a number of, of factors that contribute to this. Um, and it, it turns out that none of these appears to be sufficient to explain the, the extreme nature of climate change, the extreme patterns of, of, of climate change, of glaciation and the interglacial periods. Now, I'm not an Earth scientist, but I understand enough of this um, to realize that there's some, plaus- there's some plausibility in this hypothesis. And, you know, I, I'd become familiar with it a number of years ago in the context, uh, uh, ironically, uh, related to Mars, because we were trying to understand the alignment of certain features on Mars that um, one scientist suggested might have once been aligned uh, to the cardinal directions because Mars, too, uh, has had pole shifts in, in the distant past. And so, long story short, this got me into, uh, you know, learning about Hackett's theory and the work of Rose and Ram, uh, Rand Flem at, uh, uh, Canadian researchers who proposed the idea that Atlantis is now Antarctica, that, uh, that the, uh, the, uh, destruction of Atlantis was the result of the last, uh, the last pole shift that occurred, uh, 12 to 18,000 years ago. And the remnants of Atlantis are now uh, buried under the South Pole. And so that was, that was kind of how I got started on this. Right. So these dramatic pole shifts, not, not, uh, the magnetic pole drifting slightly, you know, to the several degrees, uh, which is, ha- which is happening now. I mean, we're having to realign uh, airports and so forth because of this, but we're talking about, the, the mantle actually spinning around on the on the core or slipping so that the North Pole um, is now what? I mean, how dramatic was it? What Did North actually flip to South and South to North at one point? Well, yeah, I mean, which are, uh, magnetic, magnetic reversals occur uh, periodically and the slow drift or the change in magnetic declination that you refer to is well known and that that's what requires that you have to, you know, calibrate your compass. I mean, it doesn't change that quickly, but no. over a period of time, it's changed quite, it's moved quite a bit. Currently, the magnetic North Pole is in northern Canada. It's quite far from, uh, from the Arctic Circle. Um, and it can deviate by, uh, by about 20 degrees. But yeah, that's, that's not the phenomenon. It's not a magnetic shift. It's, it's actual shift of the geographic pole caused by the slippage of the mantle. So, now the North Pole is where it is uh, in the Arctic. Uh, previously, Hapgood had determined, based again on patterns of climate change and glaciation, that the previous pole was located uh, somewhere uh, around Hudson Bay. Prior to, and that was uh, twelve to eighteen thousand years ago. Before that, he pushed his analysis back even further and uh, speculated that there was a previous location located somewhere between Greenland and Norway uh, about 40,000 years before that. And another 40,000 years or so before that, the pole was located somewhere in the Yukon. And, uh, and these, again, correlated with estimates of 
you know, different glacial periods at the time. Some of these dates actually have been uh, uh, updated quite a bit uh, with more recent information. And uh, some of that is actually, uh, I have some of that, uh, some, some of that uh, information is, is posted in my blog. Um, some, you know, a lot of the information is in the book. Uh, the book was um, just kind of the beginning and the research continues. But um, anyway, so yeah, these are, these are uh, dramatic shifts that, uh, that are thought to have occurred. Uh, and that's the basis then of <laughs> beginning, you know, it's kind of been a long-winded uh, prelude, but that's sort of the basis or this new approach to archaeological dating. Right. So we're coming up on a, on a break here. We'll start getting into it now, and then we'll continue after. And that is we need to connect the dots then between Hapgood's pole shift theory uh, and the dating of some of these ancient sites like the Temple Mount or Machu Picchu uh, or, or others, as we'll see, for example, in Sri Lanka. So what is the connection then between the location of these ancient sites and Hapgood's pole shift theory. Well, if if you look at at many uh, places today, many modern cities, uh, many modern sites are built uh, in alignment with the cardinal directions: north, south, east, and west. Uh, yet we find, uh, and, but there are some exceptions. I mean, uh, Manhattan is an exception. It it has it's adapted to the orientation of the island that it's built on. Um, but there are cases, many cases that we find where there are sites, um, ancient sites that are not aligned to North. And we ask the question, why? And that is what leads now to another possibility. Uh, not the conventional archaeo astronomy uh, theories that have to do with, you know, risings and settings of the planet Venus or, uh, or different uh, constellations, which you know certainly could have been a factor, but there I don't think there um, the, the answer seems to be simpler, and the pole shift hypothesis that I propose is a simple explanation that has a lot of power. It offers a lot of power, it explains a lot of sites and a lot of alignments. and that's kind of that's the next step in sort of in our discussion, how we, how, how we can connect those dots. Right. But, but why would an ancient site uh, be aligned? Or why, what was the motivation to align these uh, the, or, or orient them towards the North Pole? What was the thinking there? Well, you know, that, that's, that's a good question. I mean, and this is pure speculation on my part, but perhaps, you know, the secret, the esoteric knowledge um, of the the Masons and the Templars. Maybe part of that knowledge was in in in, in how things were built, in the architecture and the layout, in the um, in how, in the way sites were established. In China, there, there was always um, a sense of feng shui or or, or uh, the proper alignment, and that was always in the cardinal direction. So it seems like. Building things in the carbon directions is part of our DNA. It's like something that we just do. So, if we as- there, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm less, I was. Uh, I'm just. Okay. I don't want to interrupt. Keep going. <laughs> I was just. I was just anticipating the end of the segment. Um, but uh, so, so if if this is part of our DNA that we build things aligned to north, 
well, then how does that explain how things are misaligned? For example, in Machu Picchu, uh, the older structures uh, uh, at Machu Picchu are misaligned uh, by a significant amount uh, to north. In fact, way beyond and in the wrong direction of a, of a solar alignment, a solstice alignment, for example. What were they aligning it to? The well, old, the old, the new location of the North Pole because of the pole shift. I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, we'll, we'll pick yeah, up on, we'll, we'll pick up on this point uh, on the other side. Mark Carlotto, the author of Before Atlantis. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. My Formula 13 pomegranate tea from GetTheTea.com just arrived. I just brewed up my first batch. And if you love the taste of pomegranate like I do, I gotta tell you, you're gonna love this Formula 13 tea. Because of the strength of the herbs in the Formula 13 tea, eight tea bags is enough to last me for an entire month. All of the herbal teas from GetTheTea.com are organic, non-GMO, and caffeine-free. Now here's the amazing thing about the powerful herbs in Life Change Tea and Formula 13 teas. They can help cleanse chemicals caused by outside intruders from your entire digestive system. And if your colon has buildup on it, you'll notice some weight loss. You may also find you have clearer, healthier, younger looking skin and an increase in energy. These cleansing teas work from the inside of your body out, leaving you with optimized health and a happier outlook on life. Do yourself a favor and try the Life Change Tea and Formula 13 teas from GetTheTea.com. Go ahead, you deserve it. Life Change Tea and Formula 13 teas are available only at GetTheTea.com. 
Use the code word UNLIMITED and your first purchase ships for free. GetTheTea.com In another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. Just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day and it was, good, good, a handsome man Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Mark Carlotto, the author of Before Atlantis, is here. And we're talking about pole shifts and uh, the alignment to the North Pole or the orienting of ancient sites to the North Pole and why certain ancient sites, uh, whether it's Machu Picchu or... uh, the Acropolis are not aligned to the North Pole, but slightly askew. And as we were saying before the break, that ties into Hapgood's pole shift, that as the North Pole, uh, as the mantle slipped and the North Pole, the physical location of the North Pole moved, so too did the alignment of these ancient sites towards the North Pole. So then you're finding examples of ancient sites that are pointed sort of more towards Norway or Greenland as an example. Exactly. Exactly. And go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened was I I wasn't, I actually wasn't thinking about this uh, at all consciously. I I was in the process of, of uh, checking out some, some destinations in the Yucatan. We were going there on vacation and uh, uh, it, I went on Google Earth and I was looking, <clears throat> looking at these sites and I began to realize, wow, these, why are these sites all sort of, mis- they're not pointed towards north. They're, they're all sort of rotated in funny directions. It's, it's probably something that, you know, only an engineer would notice, right? Yeah, um, of course. But, uh, right. So, um, it, but then I'm, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I remembered um, Flanap's, uh book, uh, When the Sky Fell, and he talks about how uh, he makes a statement about the uh, Mexican pyramid uh, in the Teotihuacan that is misaligned uh, to north currently, but prior to the pole shift that he, you know, believed was responsible for the destruction of Atlantis, <clears throat> and which resulted in you know, Atlantis sliding down to the South Pole, that um, the pole location prior to that shift being in Hudson Bay would have caused, you know, the features on the Earth's surface to rotate and shift. Imagine the whole, you know, if the reference point now at the north is now Hudson Bay instead of where it is now, there's a shift and a rotation of it, pretty much of everything on the surface, depending on where you are located uh, relative to that, to that shift. And Teotihuacan would have been aligned almost uh, perfectly to the cardinal directions. And I remembered that, and I thought to myself, huh, I wonder if if the pole, if it were somewhere else, if it wasn't exactly where, where uh, Flamat said it was, but if it was slightly in a different position, what position would that be to put um, Teotihuacan-oriented exactly due north? And I figured that out through trial and error. But the problem is with, you know, with only one site, there's many solutions. Uh, so I thought, well, let me see if I can find a site somewhere else in the world and try to begin to triangulate a pole location. So 
so I found a site in India. And, um, and then I found some other sites, some other sites in, um, in Central America and actually began to find some sites in the South Pacific. And gradually these, uh, by looking at these alignments and adjusting the pole location, I could get all of them to fall into place. In other words, by putting a pole at a refined location, not, not where Flamath had put it, but in a slightly different position, all these sites suddenly, magically, were now aligned to north. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. And then, you know, one thing leads to another. I realized, well, um, Hapgood had two other uh, uh, hypothesized pole locations, uh, Norway, uh, Greenland area, <clears throat> excuse me, and the Yukon. And I thought, hmm, what could line up to pole locations in those places? And, uh, you know, the process continued. And over a period of a couple of months, uh, I looked at uh, hundreds, uh, hundreds of sites using uh, Google Earth. Because I had a tool uh, that I could do this with. Uh, at no other time um, did, you know, did a tool exist that had both the power in terms of having, you know, imagery that was, you know, geographically and geometrically registered, you know, on a globe, on a sphere, and uh, imagery that had high enough resolution quality that you could actually see these sites and, you know, zoom right in on a feature like the uh, uh, Intihuatana at um, Machu Picchu and, you know, figure out its alignment relative to a pole, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away. And, uh, you know, it was, it, 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 it took some time, but over time, uh, and there were some, some uh, changes in, you know, like I said, I had to adjust some of Hapgood's positions. And in fact, I split one of his poles into two poles. So, um, before Atlantis um, is based on actually four pole shifts uh, with with poles in Hudson Bay in the Norway Sea and northern Greenland and in the Aleutian Islands um, in the Bering Sea north of the Aleutian Islands uh, and with these four pole locations when the book was published uh, late September there are over uh, four dozen sites that I found were in alignment. Wow. Um, so now, with content, yeah. I was just going to say, so if, what is the oldest pole alignment? In, uh, so the oldest pole shift of the four, which goes back the furthest? So the oldest pole shift is, uh, puts the oldest pole uh, in the Bering Sea, north of the Aleutian Islands. This corresponds to Hapgood's Yukon pole, so it's been adjusted uh, actually quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I didn't have to adjust this Hudson Bay pole very much because that was fairly recent. He had pretty good data on that. The Greenland pole, I had to move more. And the Yukon pole from Yukon to Bering Sea, I had to, I had to move the most. But this is expected because as you go back further in time, you're, you know, the data that he had, the accuracy wasn't as good. Um, but using his, his locations as starting points, I actually developed an algorithm where I took sites at different locations with their measured orientation and actually found the optimal location for a pole. And uh, actually, this, this is a paper that, that's coming out at a conference in, uh, in the spring. 
And um, so using this analytical approach, uh, I was able to, or algorithmic approach, I was actually able to refine his positions and, and, and in fact, split one of the polls into four, come up with four locations that, uh, at the time, like I said, when the book was published, there were four dozen sites, and now I'm up to uh, about 70 sites worldwide that are aligned to these poll locations, which... Which, you know, is, is kind of an interesting paradox because if, if this whole thing is predicated on, on an unproven hypothesis, that of poll shifts. But if, if Hapgood is wrong and these poll locations are wrong, why is it that so many sites are aligned to them? It's right, right. It's kind of interesting. And so this is how you, then you are able to roughly determine the the site's age or the the, uh, the ancient location or the uh, the structure's age based on its alignment and which pole shift uh, it's tied to. So what exactly. what is the oldest, uh, going back in geological ages, I mean, the oldest pole shift goes back how far right. in history? What, what, how many years? Oh, yeah, sorry, I... I started answering that question, and I, I kind of drifted. So the oldest pole is the, uh, the Bering Sea Pole. Uh, that goes back um, by a refined uh, timetable, uh, glacial, based on the you know, ages of uh, glaciation and interglacial periods. goes back to about uh, probably about 125,000 years ago. 125,000. Wow. 1,000 years ago, right. And, and sites... Can you yeah. give me an example of some ancient sites that are oriented towards the Bering Sea Pole? Yeah. So the sites uh, in Peru's Sacred Valley, uh, the city of Cusco, uh, the um, uh, the Temple of uh, Three Windows at at, um, at Machu Picchu, uh, the um, uh, uh, structures at uh, Oyate. Oyate Tambo, um, also in the Sacred Valley, um, and 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 so that that was the beginning. Those are the sites that I found first, and th- and those sites kind of make sense because those are the, those are sites that have these enormous stones that are pieced together with incredible precision. You know, these they're not square; they're polygonal. They're very compl- uh, complicated, complex. Uh, shaped right, stones. Right, as that, if as if the yeah. rocks have been melted and uh, and or yeah. softened and 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 placed together. So the Temple of the Three Windows in Machu Picchu is oriented towards the Bering Sea Pole, which would mean possibly it's a hundred and twenty-five thousand years old. Correct? Do I am I understanding this correctly? So the hypothesis is not that the structures that we see there are necessarily that old. The hypothesis is that the original site was laid out 125,000 years ago. Um, so, you know, we talked about sort of some basic ideas. You know, one basic idea is that we build things to north, all factors equal. Another idea is that we build on pre-existing um, uh, arrangements. Uh, and um, there's there's many uh, examples of this um uh, that are discussed in the uh, uh, archaeological literature, having to do in archaeoastronomy with uh, sites in, in uh, Mesoamerica. In fact, there are are, are land um, land uh, land uh, patterns, patterns of land use, fields, and so forth, 
that are aligned to old directions. Uh, some of them are these pole directions. So, so the idea is that these directions were established long ago by, by the first site, by the original layout of the site, that in some cases have seen, has seen many stages of construction. Uh, this, I think, is perhaps more evident when we start talking about features in Europe, uh, like uh, the Parthenon or uh, the Temple of Jupiter um, in, in Lebanon at, at Baalbek, um, where there's evidence of, of structures being built on top of other structures. So the idea is that the first structure was, was at Machu Picchu was in place uh, 125,000 years ago. Right, and and then perhaps whatever structure that was was destroyed because of the, the pole shift, the cataclysmic event, uh, and then was rebuilt using the same orientation. They think they're still pointing north, true north, but they're not. Is that the idea? Well, no. Well, no. They know that they're not pointing north anymore, uh, but they're but it's viewed as perhaps a sacred site. It's old, and it's perhaps viewed as as being sacred. Uh, you know, nowadays there's a lot of, you know, a lot of um, respect for um, sacred alignments, for ley lines, things that, like that, that we don't really understand. It's, I don't know, it's not necessarily scientific, but there's a respect and appreciation for them. So the other component might be that there was this, this, uh, this memory of how things were, and you, you know, and, and you know, the remnants of the site, and that you just simply out of respect, you just kind of, rather than, you know, totally, um, you know, renovate it, destroy it and build it again, you sort of take what you have and you build upon it. But then a new site built during this, 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 uh, this, uh, this era, uh, after the pole shift would be built now towards the pole as it existed then. So at that point it would be the Norway pole. So it would be, you know, pointed up, whereas Machu Picchu is tilted. You know, a site built, for example, there were sites built along Peru's coastline that uh, were built, uh, I believe, during the time of the Norway Pole that were aligned to north at that time. And meanwhile, you know, a few hundred miles away, Machu Picchu and these other sites were misaligned, but perhaps were uh, were renovated, uh, not renovated, it's probably not the right word, but, um, but uh, had been reused, or maybe they were in a state of disrepair for some time, eventually rebuilt. Uh, with the original plan, uh, the original al- alignment maintained. Right, but the, the 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 point is, or the one that jumps out at me is, someone built something there, 125,000 years ago or or longer. Uh, right. And when I think of humankind, 125,000 years ago, I don't think about organized labor camps. I think about nomadic nomadic people uh, hunting and gathering. Uh, so then how do you get people together to build something 125,000 years ago on, on that, of that magnitude? Well, so, so, you know, you kind of jumped to the oldest site, but you no, know, we could look at, uh, sites that are, were aligned to the Hudson Bay pole. And, and that pole probably existed from, you know, uh, 12 to 18,000 years ago back to maybe 50,000 years ago or 40,000 years ago. Oh, okay. Um, and that, that, that period of time predates um, mankind as well.
If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Or something like that. I'll ask Richard later. Welcome back. Mark Carlotto is with us before Atlantis. Uh, and the website is beforeatlantis.com. Uh, okay, so before the break, we were talking about uh, not going back 125,000 years ago to the, the Bering Sea Pole, but to the, was it the Hudson Bay Pole? And right. so we're talking about uh, ancient sites that are aligned to that pole, and they were going back some 50,000 years, again, at a time when, you know, man is uh, fairly nomadic, hunting country, hunters and gatherers. So what sites specifically are, are aligned uh, to the Hudson Bay Pole? Well, uh, numerous sites in uh, in Central America, in Mexico, uh, especially. There are sites in India. Uh, there are sites um, in the Pacific um, as well. Uh, but by and large, um, the majority are in uh, are in the Yucatan. Uh, I mentioned uh, Teotihuacan uh, and and others. Um, and so these were sites that, um, by this, you know, according to this timeline, were built um, prior to the, to the last pole shift. Not 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 the earliest one. Not the one hundred hundred twenty five thousand years ago, but the one. You know, twelve to eighteen thousand years ago. You know, how could how could these sites have been built uh, by by man? Uh, because we hadn't. You know, this is even before we domesticated um, uh, wheat and uh, and corn. You know, uh, ten thousand BC. Um, this is around the time you know of uh, Gepekli Tepe, which they discovered back. You know. Um, Back in the in the 1990s, I believe it was. Yes. Which was, you know, paradigm shattering, right? They, they no one could possibly have 
imagined in the mainstream uh, scientific community that they would find something like that. It totally upset, you know, the apple cart. Uh, you know, some of the archaeologists said uh, we have to rethink things because I think all of our all of our theories are wrong. So, so, so what's going on? So, how could these sites have been built before, you know, uh, before you know modern man emerged? That you know, the the belief is that you know modern man emerged, modern humans emerged um, in a migration out of Africa, uh, Africa around seventy thousand years ago, and so. You know, it took some time, obviously, from that migration as primitive hunter-gatherers to develop the technology through the, you know, Stone Age uh, to the, you know, Age of Metals and so forth and to um, modern age. Uh, it took a period of time. Um, so how is it, you know, that they could have built these structures? Well, the answer is that, that they didn't, and that's, that's, the other, that's probably the other key idea in, Atlant- in the Fort Atlantis, is uh, is that we're not talking about modern humans. We're talking about a previous race um, on the planet. Right. Um, are we talking about the, uh, the, the the Denisovans, perhaps, or does it predate the Denisovans? Well, you know, in the beginning, I wanted to keep it uh, keep it generic, um, just just to try something different. I didn't want it to be aliens. Um, because it's sort of like the alien answer is sort of like the deus ex machina. Um, it's like this, it's like the easiest explanation. Uh, if we can't explain something, uh, you know, the aliens did it or they, I have to, I have to thank you for that. I have to thank you for that. It's, this is refreshing. Let's, let's look for answers closer to home. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, cause I don't think we really totally, I mean that, look, I'm not saying that's not the answer. But let's exhaust, uh, let's explore other possibilities. And so, yeah, the one, you know, one possibility is the Denisovans. And, um, there's actually a site up in, um, up in Siberia that I talk about, uh, on the website in some detail, uh, that, that might have been, uh, it's a, it's a structure that might have been built by Denisovans. Um, and, um, and so this this would have been uh, this particular site could have been built eighty thousand years ago or seventy thousand years ago. Uh, so obviously, well before uh, our uh, our migration left Africa, but uh, could have evolved out of a previous migration out of Africa, um, perhaps one that left um, uh, the continent uh, two hundred to three hundred thousand years ago. So you know, if if we developed a technological uh, intelligence and civilization in 70,000 years, you know, could someone else have done the same? Right. And, and then that knowledge, that civilization wiped out, which each, with each, a cataclysmic event, ice age, pole shift, and we, it's tabula rasa. We sort of start from, whoop, we start from scratch, but not quite. Uh, Am I right? Well, yeah. not quite. Yeah, uh, not quite. <laughs> That's we can talk about that. Well, we've got we've got about four minutes here before the break, but uh, um, okay, and we can get into that so, after. But uh, I, I just wanted to touch again on the, the, the Denisovans because what little I do know about yep. them is they seem to have um, this um, attraction to is it the uh, the Cygnus constellation? 
the the swan, right? The, the the symbol is the swan, and I'm wondering whether we find that swan symbol in places like Gobekli Tepe or any of these other ancient sites you've, you're talking about. Uh, Richard, you got you got one on me. I didn't know about Cygnus. Um, uh, actually, I, I haven't read anything about their their cosmologies or their their belief systems. My, you know, my, my focus has really been kind of on looking at their technology, but that, that's, that's an interesting uh, thing that I will uh, obviously look into. Um, but is there, what, what, is there another way of yeah, tying, yeah, say, Gobekli Tepe to the Denisovans? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, I, uh, I'm not, uh, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't thought about that one yet. Um, uh, the reason I actually, uh, the, the site that I, I believe that I have uh, made some correlation with uh, Denisovans is a site called uh, Bajan. It's in Siberia. It's about, I think it's a hundred, couple hundred kilometers east of the uh, of the cave of the Denisova cave. Uh, so it's it's in the same geographical area. Right. And um, and and the the way I make the connection is, is again using alignments. I looked at the alignments of of, of Port Bayesian, and it's not aligned to the to the cardinal directions. It actually turns out not to be aligned to any of the poles, but to the summer solstice sunrise when the pole was uh, in Norway. Uh-huh. So in other words, it's rotated towards Norway, but it's not aligned to the cardinal directions, but it's aligned with the solstice, and. And actually, it's it's very interesting. The dimensions of the site uh, also reference the um, the angle of the sun. There's there's some geometry involved, and it's, it's illustrated um, uh, on the website. But um, so on the one hand, I'm able to come up with an, with an alignment that correlates with Norway, and Norway was around eighty thousand, seventy eighty thousand years ago, which is the time. That they've been able to date, or at, at, they they found some artifacts. At first, they thought they were forty thousand years old. Now they think they might be seventy or eighty thousand years uh, years old. And these include a um, a a, uh, a bracelet with a precisely drilled hole in it that could not have been drilled with a simple hand tool. It had to be some kind of a high speed drill. Amazing. So if they had precision tools for you know micro uh, you know manufacturing perhaps they also have the technology to build a site like like port Bayesian, which is uh which is it's, it's it's a really weird site it's in the middle of a very shallow lake uh currently built on a permafrost plug no one would live there now you couldn't live there now but so why is it there well when the pole was in norway siberia had a much more temperate climate and so the site makes a lot of sense Well, that concludes part one of my two-part conversation with Mark Carlotto, the author of Before Atlantis. Now, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a little teaser for part two. This segment, sponsored by The Horrible Movie Podcast, available at iTunes and thehorriblemoviepodcast.com. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible.
Coming up next time, part two of my conversation with aerospace engineer Mark Carlotto on pole shifts and evidence for previous technological civilizations on Earth. I don't think it necessarily follows that because they came before us, they are less advanced. One popular theory is that evolution was tinkering with the human DNA by the gods, by the extraterrestrials, whatever, to finally get it right. But these may have all been valid, a marvelous uh, species in themselves that became extinct for whatever reason, but it doesn't diminish who they were and what they were capable of. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. Deviled eggs without Duke's mayo? That's like a country song without the twang. Ah, shoot. A porch swing without the porch. Or a cookout without the grill. So if you're not making deviled eggs with Duke's, you're not making deviled eggs. Get some today and make those deviled eggs the right way. Find Duke's real, light, and flavored mayos at your local grocery store. Duke's. It's got twang.